Welcome to In the Know by Diane Schindler. This is Diane Schindler speaking. I'm the host of In the Know, the podcast show. I'm an author, a presenter, a solo nomad, a travel blogger, and a photographer. So this podcast show includes writing tips, travel tips, and my views of life from savvy and thoughtful to quirky and humorous. I hope you enjoy the show. I want to read a quote for you by Quentin Tarantino, especially because today we're talking about dialogue. If I'm doing my job right, then I'm not writing the dialogue. The characters are saying the dialogue and I'm just jotting it down. Another quote that I like, this is by Sefi Atta. She says, for all forms, writing dialogue is almost like writing music. I pay close attention to rhythms and tones. Hi, it's Bonna's Bite Size Nuggets. This month, we're discussing dialogue. We're calling it Dialogue 101. Be sure to check the show notes for links and more information. Stay tuned for Dialogue 102 on September 25th. Let's go back now. Today we're going to cover the purpose of dialogue, knowing dialogue. Once you know the purpose, then how do you actually get from function to task? We're going to get specific about some do's and don'ts about dialogue. And of course, we're going to give you some great examples from our personal repertoires. We will also talk about dialect and accents within this presentation today. So, Vanna? And we'll, and we'll have your nuggets at the end, your bite-side nuggets. I always like that. And what's on our nightstand? What are we reading when we go to bed at night? We'll have a couple of books in that regard as well. So tell us, what is the purpose of dialogue? Well, despite what Car Quentin Tarantino says, that the dialogue just flows out of the character's mouths <laughs> if you're writing it, that's another story. Um, Writing dialogue, it has three purposes. One is to move the story forward. The second one is to reveal relevant, in, relevant information about the character. And most importantly in my book is to help the reader understand the relationship between the characters. When you're writing, you wanna use all three of those purposes in mind. And when we don't achieve those purposes in dialogue, what do we do? Delete, delete, delete. So those are the three purposes. How do we move from purpose to application? That is to say, how do we write dialogue that will achieve those three purposes? Move the plot forward, reveal relevant information about characters and demonstrate the characters, uh, uh, the relationship among and between one another. We have one, two, three, four, five, six ways in which to approach the writing of dialogue so that we can achieve purpose. One is to express interaction. So we might talk about a character and we would say, Kaylee thought to herself, comma, quotation marks, I'm going to be late for class. That's inner dialogue. 
what Kaylee is thinking. Who is she saying it to, to herself? Another way in which to demonstrate, to show inner dialogue is to have just those, just those words in italics. She said to herself, I'm going to be late for class. So we might have that in italics and not have, Kaylee said to herself, but rather just those words, I'm going to be late for class in italics. Conveying exposition is giving information about the scene at hand. And in The Secret History by Donna Tart, there's a great block of dialogue that does that. We instantly drawn in and the dialogue picks up speed and lures us into the story. So look for the information as well as the exchange of dialogue. Hi, Richard, she said, and spit out a mouthful of toothpaste. She was wearing cut-off jeans that had bizarre, frantic designs drawn on them in magic marker and a spandex top which revealed her intensely aerobicized midriff. Hello, I said, setting to work on my tie. You look cute today. Thanks. Got a date? I looked away from the mirror at her. What? Where are you going? By now, I was used to her interrogations. And we know in that scene at hand, the exposition of the scene and where they are and how they interact with each other. I'm gonna read from Lenny and um, George from, of Mice and Men. And you remember in the story by Steinbeck that Lenny, George is the brother that takes care of Lenny who's mentally challenged. So in the middle of this, they're talking about rabbits because you know, that's always Lenny's favorite topic. This is George talking. The hell with the rabbits. That's all you ever can remember is them rabbits. Okay, now listen. Now you listen, and this time, you got to remember so we don't get in no trouble. Remember sitting in that gutter on Howard Street and watching that, watching that blackboard? Lenny's face broke into a delight smile, a delighted smile. Why, sure, George, I remember that. But what'd we do then? I remember some girls come by and you says, you say, you say, the hell with what I says. You remember about us going into Murray and Reddy's and they give us work cards and their bus tickets. Oh, sure, George, I remember that now. I'm gonna stop there because the exposition is the hell with that. You remember about us going into Murray and Reddy's and they give us work cards and bus tickets. So it's, you know, that's exposition. That's telling what is happening. So that dialogue not only is conveying exposition, but it also is moving the story forward. And it has a unique verbal style. That's the other thing. That's the other way in which to write dialogue so that, that it meets the purposes. A unique verbal style. As you can see, well, in Mice and Men, Lenny always is saying George. And they're using the word says. And it's the improper use of the verb says, because it's not the right tense. That's about unique voice. Did you have something to add with that, Bonna? Well, it's captivating, the exchange between the characters. And I think that's really important in dialogue. That's another application. That's another way in which to write so that the purpose is achieved.
You want to express interaction. You want action and reaction in your dialogue. You want dialogue that conveys exposition and that has a unique verbal style for each character. We're going to talk more about that. You want to write dialogue that captivates the reader's attention and that is authentic. And authentic means that sounds real and it also is consistent with your character. Oh, one of the best writers to um, write authentic dialogue, I think, was Mark Twain. And he um, has a short story that called Buck Fanshawe's Funeral. And he points out the difference between um, Twain's character, Scotty Briggs, and he's talking to a minister who uses big words. And Scotty Briggs says, you see, one of the boys has gone up loom. The minister says, gone where? Up the flume, kick the bucket. Ah, has departed to the mysterious country from whose born and no traveler returns. Returns? I reckon not. Why, pard, he's dead. That's such a good excerpt because we know about the differences in the characters. So as you said, the preacher, highfalutin words, he's educated, highfalutin words, and he uses colloquialism. He uses dialect. And he uses euphemisms, we should say, to, to say to say somebody's died. The other character just says, well, he's dead. <laughs> right. And back in, the, back in the 1800s, or when Twain wrote, a lot of people felt that they had to write this long, convoluted dialogue. And his characters were always authentic, mm -hmm. true to form, true to who they were. And he expressed it in, the, in his writing. Uh, Twain was able to show the character's authenticity mm -hmm. through dialogue. So we've talked about purpose. We've talked about how to write dialogue to achieve those purposes, those three purposes. Let's go to dialect. Dialect and accents. Let me read the definition of dialect to you. Dialect, according to Merriam-Webster's dictionary, is, quote, a regional variety of language distinguished by features of vocabulary, grammar, and I digress by saying incorrect grammar and or correct grammar, and pronunciation from regional areas. Hold that thought. It's different than accent. Accent, on the other hand, refers to an individual's distinctive or characteristic inflection, tone, or choice of words. And it's akin to where you might be born in the United States, you might have, for example, you might have a Southern accent and a Northern accent or, or from a foreign country. One of my character, Willa, has a, is from Scotland and she, has, she speaks in a Scottish Rogue. Another character is British and he has a British accent and so that's the difference between dialect and accents. Now let's go back to dialect. As you were reading Mark Twain's work, I'm thinking about Huckleberry Finn and when my daughter was a junior in high school she was reading Huckleberry Finn and she was walking through through this dialogue and she and I, it took us like 10 minutes to figure out that somebody was saying open the door or shut the door because there are so many different um, spellings of words to reflect dialect. And that now that's sort of a warning. Nowadays, we're saying, careful with your dialect. You don't want the dialect to stumble the reader. 
so that the reader has to wade through it and try to figure out what it says. Caution you about dialect. Huck talks, well, I went fooling along in the deep woods till I judged I weren't far from the foot of the island. I had my gun along, but I hadn't shot nothing. And the only odd word in that whole phrase is warrant, W-A-R-N apostrophe T. Mm -hmm. But you get the cadence and the inflection of the dialect from the way Twain writes. Yeah. And so there's not a lot of dialect in there. I mean, it's word choice. Here's the other piece. You know, if you do include dialect, you want it to be like spice, not the whole meal. You just right. want to include that in so that you get a feeling for where the, who the character is, where they're from, but without but, taking the reader out of the story. Yeah, maybe their educational level and economic status. And, you know, that comes out of uh, the character backstory that we know you all have written before you've even written a novel. That's a whole nother podcast. Yes, the character Bible. We'll come, the character we'll Bible. Come. We're going to do that sometime. So we're talking about dialect, which Bonnie just described and used some specifics. And then I mentioned the thing about accents. And here's the rule of thumb with regard to accents. Rather than writing dialogue that has the actual accents, you can say, Willa, my character, Willa, said, I, I checked this disc and found malware comma, quotation mark, she said in a brogue, in a heavy brogue. So you just do that once. In the beginning of, when you introduce a character and that character has dialogue and the character has an accent, you don't write the accent, but rather say something about that accent by saying in a heavy Scottish accent, for example. Thinking about dialogue and avoiding accent, as I just described, you can have word choice that is it, that it reflects where that character is from like they're going to have if they're from if they're british they might have a pint they might use that word pint so that's word choice but we're not interested apostrophes and hyphens and all that stuff to try to reflect accent it's just too um cumbersome so for best practices regarding dialect and accent Avoid the misspellings that would mislead readers about the status of the reader. Don't worry about trying to spell everything in such a way that they, that's phonetic. It's really annoying. Pepper a narrative with occasional uses of dialect. Think about using well-known sentence structure or syntax that exemplifies the dialect, such in, as in Cajun. For example, in Cajun, quote, why should I be ashamed of that, me?" Unquote. So again, as, as Bana says, the use needs to be limited when we're talking about dialect and accent, making sure that we can read it, that the readability is maintained. And um, so you have to be very careful on how it's applied, but it certainly can add flavor to your reading. So we've covered purpose, we've covered the how to write dialogue to achieve that purpose, and writing dialogue, a dialect and accents. Now we're going to go to don'ts and do's. We were going to go to do's and don'ts. 
but we like to end positively. So we're going to start with don'ts and we're going to go to do's. Now you might think we're at the end of the podcast, but when we look at the specific don'ts and do's, there's really a lot to talk about and a lot to learn. Let's there start is. That way. Let's start with one of the big don'ts. Don't include small talk in your dialogue. It can Hello. go on for too Hello. long. Hello, how are you? How are you? Gosh, good to see you. Where have you been? How are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. How are you doing? I, I want to ask you, Bonna, um, and I'll answer the same question. Why do you choose not to include small talk in the dialogue? Besides it being annoying to the reader, why wouldn't you use small talk in the dialogue? Well, the biggest reason is what purpose does it serve? Go exactly. back to the three purposes. And yeah. it doesn't move the story along, doesn't reveal any more about the characters. And it doesn't reveal anything about the relationship between the characters. That's right. So that's why you want to eliminate small talk. Info dump, not even in the narrative, not even in the novel anywhere do you want to have info, info dump. And we're talking about info dump and dialogue. Now, you know, when you listen to Bonna's nuggets, to Bonna's bite-sized nuggets, she always says, don't info dump. What you need to do is drop these little breadcrumbs of information throughout your novel. So we're saying the same thing throughout the dialogue. You have an example of info dump and dialogue. I have a great example of info dump. My Leonard, I haven't seen you since high school, right after your parents were killed in that air crash in San Diego, when a Navy jet flew into that 747 and 250 people died. That's a great, there's some info dump for you. Because That's, the writer wants to get these points across and old Leonard is just talking away about them. <laughs> yeah, so... So avoid info dump. That's pretty self-explanatory, I would say now. And uh, don't forget to be consistent. You need to be consistent with each character's voice. You know from your character Bible everything about your character's voice. And so you need to remain consistent with, with that. And then here's a good one. Don't allow your characters to say everything that they're feeling. Don't be like Diane and just spill your guts all the time. You want to comment on that? Bonnie is such a good listener. She lets me spill out my guts to her. Oh, yeah. Everybody likes, everybody likes to spill out their guts, but they don't talk about it in real life. They think it in their head. It may be part of their monkey brain, but it's not being part of the conversation. And that's, we don't want characters to say everything they're feeling because it's unrealistic. And we only want to know what they're feeling and what they're thinking based on the purpose. Moving the plot forward, creating character, creating interaction and connection between and among characters. Don't saturate your text with too many identifying tags, like said, S-A-I-D. So there are two things going on there. First of all, well, let's go. No, you don't need a said every single time. That's right? correct, because you, you should be clear by the character's unique voices who is talking at what time. In your first draft, you might have something that is written, I want to go to the party, she said, avoiding her mother's eyes. Through that, you'll say, I don't need this, she said. What I need mm -hmm. is, I want to go to the party, period. She avoided her mother's eyes. Right. 
So we can uh, eliminate said, but then we're going to move on to an important point, which is it's recommended that said is the only tag that you use by and large when you have dialogue. So when it is necessary for you to explain who just said what, you use said rather than she whispered, she panted, she and and you want to use um, uh, adverb tags as well. Like uh, he said angrily, he said softly, he said seemingly. Uh, we've talked about show versus tell. Use your mm -hmm. show showing instead of telling. And you use that cases. within the dialogue. It's the word choice that will then demonstrate the fact that he said angrily mm -hmm. and, or, and or your punctuation. Don't you care about me at all? He said feelingly. No, she said murderously, and she pulled the trigger. <laughs> okay, I get that. Murderously. I had to look that up. I hadn't heard that one in a long time. So I avoid the LYs, and I avoid the adjective, adverbs, excuse me, adverbs, you know, ad, avoid the LY words and stick with said. Now, once in a while, it's like anything else, you can break out of said when you feel it's extremely necessary, extremely important, then you can do that, but sparingly. Another guideline for all you writers, especially if you've written your first draft, you've gotten it down on paper, now you're gonna go back through it and edit what you have, look immediately for salutations like hello, goodbye. You don't need them. They mm -hmm. serve no purpose, they don't move the plot forward. Dialogue needs to reflect purpose. So those are the don'ts. Let's go to the positive do's. Um, so do use dialogue to move the story forward. We have said over and over again in this podcast, do reveal important information about the character. I think we've said that. Keep it brief. We don't want an info dump. We don't want long paragraphs of dialogue. Keep it brief. Do make each character sound unique with a different pattern of speech. You want to have interesting characters. They're not all the same. They're very different from one another. So therefore, the dialogue needs to be different as well. And that has to do with word choice, cadence, you know, the pattern of their dialogue, as well as dialect. Yes. Let me give you a little example I've just read. I've been reading. Um, been reading a book by a local author, Coach in Cottage C, by J.R. Menard. And it's a story of a has-been, a, a football player in the NFL who didn't make it. He didn't make it in the NFL. And now he's adrift and he's looking for a job. He takes a job as a coach at a, a boys' reform school. And in this, she does a brilliant job of interspersing dialogue with information about the characters. When the coach meets the first time the strongest inmate in the school, the leader of the other boys, and that other boy's name is Bo, and the coach says, I guarantee you'll be suspended from all areas of the gym and the field and the pool. Bo shrugged his shoulders. It only takes a word to confine you to your bed or make solitary your new home. Like that crap hasn't been done before. I've been shit on a thousand times. You're just another asshole that's going to do it. Bingo. 
this kid is angry. Watch your mouth, Mr. Tough Guy, Matt said, or do we end this talk right now and escort you to your cottage? Bo looked down at the floor and kicked his foot outward, scuffing the wooden surface. He looked back up at Matt. You done? Matt asked, cause I'm the tough guy here, the top athlete, not you. So why do I choose that as a brilliant example of good dialogue and interspersed narrative? Because we know, we, we learn about the characters in just those few lines. We know who has the upper hand. We know what's triggering Bo's reactions. It's just something that's happened so many times before. And in that little line where Bo kicks his foot outward, scuffing the wooden surface, and he's looking down at the floor, you understand that Bo knows he can't win. Hmm. I love the tension. I love the tension that dialogue creates. Yeah create suspense through what's said and what's not said. I like this one. And I've learned um, one way in which to create suspense when you're writing dialogue is to ask a question, have a character ask a question, and then the response is the, a, a different, another character asks a question. So answer a question with a question. I don't have dialogue, but I can make something up. I don't have anything to read, but I can make something up. So I say to Bana, I say to Bana, so Diane says, what book is on your nightstand tonight? And Bana says, <laughs> Bana says, why did you ask me that now? Why did you ask me that now? <laughs> Good job. Because what, I mean, because I want you to read from it. Bana thought about the book on, about erotica that's on her nightstand and didn't answer. You answer a question with a question or refuse to answer. We're right on target here, Bonnet. Or refuse to answer a question. That's a really good way to create suspense. Um, where is the file? I've been looking for the file. Where is it? He turned on his heel and walked out the door. The other do, the, the other do is like you say, Bonham, when you finish your writing, your dialogue, you want to go back. You are to read your dialogue out loud. See if it's authentic. See if you have interesting words, good word choice. Make sure it's not too long. Make sure that it does indeed have a purpose. And keep, make sure one more thing to honor the relationship between the characters. Don't violate that. Diane and I have a specific relationship of these two authors and editors and um, experienced professionals. We are all, if we were writing the dialogue for our story, we would honor that and not, not interject a personality of another character. Mm -hmm. Good. I want to summarize what we've done today. Ivana talked about the purposes, the three purposes of dialogue. And then we said, gee, if this is the purpose, how do you write dialogue to meet those purposes? And so we talked about um, inner dialogue, action, reaction, um, exposition, unique verbal style, captivating and, and authentic writing. We talked about dialect versus accents. We also talked about the don'ts of writing dialogue and the do's of writing dialogue.
So tell us what your nuggets are for today. Here we go. Read your dialogue out loud. We've said it six times, we'll say it a seventh. <laughs> Listen to your dialogue being read out loud. Show, don't tell in dialogue. And as a general rule of thumb, 25 to 30% of your novel should be dialogue. Any more than that, and you're generally speaking using too much. And any less than that, it's not an active in the moment novel. You mentioned that to me before as we were prepping for this podcast. You know, that's what dialogue does, it puts us in the moment. Yeah. That's true. Dialogue takes you right into the moment of the action and the interchange between the characters. It livens it up. Um, and before we sign off, we always have what is on our nightstand. What are we reading on our nightstand? I am reading from Sid Fields, S-S-Y-D-F-I-E-L-D, from his book called Screenplay, The Foundations of Screen Writing. But I want to read to you what he's saying about dialogue, which is so important. Quote, when you're writing, you'll find it may take you about 60 pages before you make contact with your characters, before they start talking to you, tell you what they want to do and what they want to say. Once you've made contact and established a connection with them, they'll take over. Let them do what they want. Trust your ability to exercise the choice of action and direction during the quote, words on paper stage. And don't expect your characters to start talking to you from page one, it doesn't work that way. Even if you've done your creative research and you know your characters, you might have to experience some resistance before you break through and get in touch with them. So dialogue is really a function of character. I'm probably gonna write more than 60 pages before I connect with my characters, but that, this makes me, uh, it, it uh, makes me feel really good because sometimes I can feel defeated. I'm trying to write dialogue for my character, just, I just feel like it's not working. Well, it's not gonna work at first. So we, we need to take time with it. What's on your nightstand, darling? Oh, um, my nightstand is the book from the Florida writer, Coach in Cottage C the story of uh, the life of Victor Prinzi, who um, had a life-changing experience with the boys at the reform school here in Florida. Nice. Now, I understand you told me about this. Are you willing to share on this podcast that you're reading Dr. J Dr. J's Chemical Sex, Just One More Anthology? Yes, I, I, you know, yeah, but thank goodness I don't have just books about writing on my nightstand. I know, I'm um, boring in that way. I get your message. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have that book on my nightstand. I met her at the conference in Orlando, and she talks about writing sexy characters and how to include that in, in your writing. Um, yes, so she writes erotica, and she's writing a romance novel right now. So I can't wait to read that one. Yes, that'll be, so, that'll be juicy. Yeah, so there we have it. That was Dialogue Podcast One. We're Next month, we will have another podcast and it will be Dialogue Two. We're going to delve more into what we've talked about today and we're also going to talk about 
indirect dialogue. And the dynamic elements of dialogue too, the setting, the props, the nonverbal elements of your characters. So tune in next month and learn more about making your novel action-packed and character-driven. Thank you, Bono. Thank you so much for listening to In The Know. If you would like to support the show, you can do so by subscribing and sharing it with your family and friends. You can like this episode, leave a comment, and even add a rating. Your support is very important to the success of In The Know. Thank you for listening and see you next time.